So welcome back to the XX Mormon podcast, everybody. I am uh, sitting here. I'm Elder Jackson. I am conducting at this very uh, special and intimate uh, council of love um, so that we can we can make sure that the the saints are fulfilled and uh, and remain righteous uh, in in all their days. We do have some housekeeping before we get into the episode though, and that is that we want your feedback. We want to know if we have to keep doing this podcast. Uh, so if, uh, if you like what we're doing here, you like listening, maybe if you want to be on it and have like a super cool special name like we do, uh, you can email us. It's unmormon at gmail.com. Is that right, Bishop? Correct. That is correct. Okay. So you can email us at unmormon and that goes straight to Bishop, straight to the priesthood keys so that we can, uh, we can be there and, and, uh, minister to... To our audience. Uh, so with that, I'm going to turn the time over to Bishop Jensen here uh, to introduce, I would call you a guest, but really you're, uh, you're the reason that we're all here today. So Bishop Jensen. So today we're joined by Sister Tyler, our Relief Society president, who's been making some noise in the ward because she's been calling herself President Tyler. And we all know that according to proper priesthood protocol that that is inappropriate (laughs) and that she should be referring to herself as sister. So we have decided to hold a a council of love to determine your fate as well as the fate of your eternal family. Um, (laughs) And to see if we can sort out why you continue um, to, to reject the counsel of your file leaders in using this term president instead of sister as the Relief Society president. uh, You're doing a great job, Bishop. Uh, So do you want to introduce yourself, um, president? I mean, sorry, Bishop, sister Tyler. It should be sister. Let's all make sure we maintain proper. We we know that our God is a bureaucratic God and that (laughs) nothing is more important than the correct procedures and forms being followed and paperwork being completed so please if you guys wouldn't mind then i need to be acknowledged please I need oh to be sorry please. <laughs> that is causing me sore repentance we also have counselor davis here from the state to advise us on following proper priesthood protocols in this most sacred of councils thank you thank you bishop i just want to uh send you um the love from the stake president. He loves everyone in the stake. And I'm just here to, to share that and uh, witness this, uh, this council as we uh, address the concerns about sister uh, Tyler. Now has the stake president committed the ward the stake membership list to memory? Is that how he knows and loves each and every one of us? <laughs> he he <laughs> prays for he prays for everyone by name in our high council meetings. Or does he just put um, it in a white envelope and then pray for it on an altar? Puts, puts it, <laughs> yeah, puts his, he puts his hand on it. Uh, any, anyways, so um, uh, <laughs> Pre- President Sister Tyler, uh, Relief, Society, Relief Society President Tyler, um, t- why do you understand why you're here today? <laughs> Well, first of all, I'm feeling very talked over with all three three men here and, and me who's been sitting here for like six minutes in silence. 
<laughs> I would say it's actually quite uh, interesting that uh, you mention we're here to discuss my like eternal family and the the what's you know my whole future because that was literally <laughs> my worst fear uh, being in the church was like there's a couple episodes you guys talked about. Um, why is it so important? Like, why should I care? Mm. Well, because it's my eternal salvation. Mm-hmm. And I re- re- uh, resonated with that so much because that was exactly how I felt with everything. Any, it was a very letter of the law in terms of like following the rules. And it was because any misstep I felt like would, yeah, damn me to hell as opposed to be have celestial glory so yeah uh yeah anyway my name is sister or if you don't want me to use president tyler i won't sister tyler <laughs> thank you sister tyler uh okay <laughs> uh, i i, I want to know uh where like where did your faith journey start like were you were you born in the church no i was not um I don't know how common this is. I assume it's pretty common, but I was uh, introduced to the church by a boy mm. in high school. Um, yeah, he brought me or in, invited me to things like what I, I don't really remember the specifics of it, but I know that he invited me to things. And now having been in the church, I assume those things were FHE, um, maybe dances. I'm not sure things like that, right? Some uh, things to bring your friends to. And so I was introduced by, so not just a guy, a guy that I very much liked. That's the caveat there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so of course I said, yes. <laughs> so um, I went to those activities uh, while I was, so I was 16 at the time I was in high school. And if you're under 18 and you don't have your parents permission, you can't get baptized. So I didn't get baptized till I was 18, but I spent those two years. I went through the like, what were they called? Like, you know, talking to the missionaries. The discussions. Yeah. I went through the discussions like multiple times. Like I went through like, I think there was like eight or so. I don't remember how many there were, but they're like, I went through them cyclically, cyclically for two years. Um, went to church every Sunday, went to uh, all day church i we went like 9 a.m till the 12 like i went to like three different wards in one sunday every sunday for months hmm. maybe what? a year i don't remember exactly pardon why, why did you do that well it was with it was with this guy that i very right. much had a huge crush on uh, and his family and uh i so i went with i basically followed him so mm-hmm. he went to those three three different meetings, and, and so I followed him to them. And I think he went to three different, like, wards because, and again, I was very new at the time, so I didn't commit this to memory. But I think they just had, like, redone the boundaries of things. And, like, so half of his friends were in one ward, and then, like, right. he grew up in this other ward. So he went to all the different meetings for all the different wards in the building. Mm-hmm. And it so didn't drive me crazy? Like, I think the interesting I loved thing... Really? It, like the interesting thing with Mormon church yeah. is that they all talk about how it's one true church and it's so amazing. But then when they cut it down to two hours from three hours, they all want to throw a party. Like it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. And once now I, you're talking about was, nine hours of it, right? Once I was nearly out of the church, I, 
I would spend like the middle hour in the hallway sitting on a chair on my phone because I just didn't want to be in the in the lesson. Yeah. But yeah, at the, my beginning, at my at my you know early ages, it was sixteen year old following a boy around. To, right. I, I just wanted to spend time with him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, gotcha. um, <clears throat> I think that's why I went to them. But I I also do remember, and maybe like looking back, this might have been me trying to convince myself that, oh, it wasn't just for a boy. But I do remember there were things about the church that piqued my interest. I grew up Catholic, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, I went to Catholic school for 12 years. Uh, I was baptized, communion, reconciliation, first communion, all those different things. I went through all that. And so I was a Catholic. My family went to church uh, sometimes on Christmas and sometimes on Easter. Hmm. That was the, the the type of Catholic we were, but Catholic school the whole time. And this Mormon kid, I learned, I met him in ca- at a Catholic school as well. But anyway, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? So you grew up Catholic. You were going to oh, three words because of interest. this boy. In, yeah. Yeah. So what, what was it that like that you loved about showing up at church? The thing that, that I resonated with or was, or felt like, oh, I've always believed this. And now I've seen this church and found this church that also believes that is about the, the Trinity, like the father, the son, and the Holy ghost. Yeah. Okay. Because Catholic. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. Yeah. I was going to say Catholics believe that they're all one being Mm -hmm. and they're all in, you know, one, whereas Mormonism explicitly teaches that they're completely, they're separate beings. And I always believed that they were separate beings. So that was the biggest thing that mm-hmm. that caught me or grabbed me initially was like, oh yeah, for sh- like I I wanted to look more into this church because I completely believed that already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like oh that makes way more sense. It's it's funny you bring that up. That's the exact same reason why my dad left the Catholic Church to become a Mormon, and, and yeah. so yeah, yeah. The, he he was like oh the, yeah like this just makes so much more sense and so it's interesting that you bring that up because yeah i imagine it's similar for a lot a lot of people where they're like this trinity you know like i feel like that's where mormons have like an edge they're like hey you know check check us out well that was the thing that caught my interest and i was and i don't know if i'm pushing it down or trying to like forget about it but that's the thing that i remember the most i don't really remember too much about what kept me wanting mm-hmm. to learn. But I know that was the one thing that was like, that made me think or tell myself that it wasn't just about this boy that I liked. It was, Oh, this church has some interesting thoughts. Let's learn more. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Hmm. So I did the discussions for two years. I got baptized in 2004 when I was 18 and a half. And that was a whole thing. That was rough. <laughs> was with your family or yeah mm-hmm. um how about any kind of friend circles why yeah why don't you just tell us how the, the kind of social sure. blowback yeah no friend circle like friend circles were no big deal i had a really close group of friends in high school that this boy was also a part of we were this uh we took like you know like honors classes or whatever mm-hmm. we took we there was like 10 of us so I hung out with the, this group and that group was very intellectual and very scientific and not very religious that I knew of, at least in school. 
Um, so the social friend part of it wasn't a big deal. And I was also in university at the time, like my first year of university, and I didn't have close friends in university. So that was no big deal. The big deal was the family side of things, which always frustrated me because like I said, we were the Catholics that went to church on, on Christmas and Easter sometimes. Hmm. Like we were not everyday Sunday Catholics. So anyway, my whole family had a very strong uh, opinion about me joining the church and like just bringing all these memories. My sister had emailed me her thoughts and feelings, which was all, like my sister and I were never very close growing up. We're like super close now, but we weren't growing up. So I was 18. She was 16 at the time. And she emailed me all these like feelings and like how she didn't want me to do this. And I was, you know, chasing after a boy and all that. Um, so there was that. My, I remember my uncle had a very strong opinion because uh, he had just converted to Catholicism. He had just gone through all of the like baptism and whatnot for himself to get that Catholicism. So he was hmm. confused by I was leaving it. And then my mom uh, had the, that was the one that was hardest of all because I've always been close with my mom. Um, but she's extremely stubborn as am I. So we, we butt heads a lot. And so, you know, if, if we have an opposing opinion, it can, it can, it can grow on itself a lot, but she, uh, didn't talk to me for a while, not like years or anything, but it was very uncomfortable. And cause I was at university, hmm. but I went home every weekend. So I was at school cause I lived in residence. So I went, I went, cause I, so I'm in, uh, you know where I'm in. I went to the university here, mm-hmm. but I lived in residence on the weekdays and I'm, I drove home on the weekends. So every weekend I was at home and people would come pick me up to go to church. Cause I didn't have a vehicle at the time and my mom wouldn't take me. So it was just very like uncomfortable. And I got baptized in March school ended in April and for the whole summer after that, that first summer of being officially Mormon, uh, I was inactive right away just because it was just so uncomfortable to be at home mm-hmm. and trying to go to church. So that was, uh, that was rough. And I did it anyway, despite basically having the key members of my family that I'm closest to not talk to me and so looking back, it's like, why did I do that? <laughs> but yeah, I'm stubborn, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Did, did you have like some sort of like conviction? You were like, you don't understand. This is the truth. Like, were you like oh, passionate yeah. about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd gone through two years of discussions, like regularly right. and, you know, six to nine hours of church every Sunday for two years. Um, did, did you feel like you I was had... hardcore in it? Did you feel like you had um, like uh, an experience that kind of solidified your faith or was it just kind of this mm-hmm. more of a, um, an intellectual kind of like little baby step by step, baby step towards the truth or was there an, an event that kind of pushed you over the edge that you're like, yeah, I'm all in, this is it for me. That's a good question. I don't remember. I don't remember if there, I think it was more of the baby steps, like intellectually, logically, like, like the trilogy, like the Trinity, the trilogy, the Trinity, being like three different individuals, like that made sense to me. And so 
from what I, again, I think I've pushed a lot of it away and not tried to remember, but I think it was just little bit like by little bit. And I'm like, I'm committed and I believed it. I was, I was all in. I was like, yeah, this makes sense. I'm very logical. So to me, I think I just told myself and I don't know. Hmm. When, when I um, was in the IRC presidency back in the day, I remember meeting you specifically. I think we met uh, officially in um, the planetarium uh, in, in one of the YSA activities that we were at and we sat oh, beside fun. each other and you were like super, you know, bubbly and outgoing. And you could tell that you were like committed to, to the faith. And I guess that would have been 2007 ish before you were married or, or 2006. That is so funny. Um, it's so interesting to hear these stories that other people remember of me. Yeah. Go I, ahead. Just, I interrupted you. I, and I had, you know, I didn't know anything about you, uh, but you, you know, you seemed that you were, you know, fully committed and, and in the church so that, and I didn't know that you were a convert and that, I guess it doesn't really mean anything, but you were, everybody's, you know, you were, a, everybody's a convert counselor so, Davis. We all have to gain our own testimony through faith and obedience to the principles and ordinances. And laws of the gospel. And laws, especially the laws. <laughs> that actually uh, reminded me, unless, uh, Counselor Davis, do you have anything that you were just going to finish saying there? No, I was going to fire another question at you, but continue on and, and then we'll jump into your unraveling. Sure. Um what you were saying about building a testimony, I do remember, I don't know the timeline of this specifically, but I do remember having those like tithing experiences where like you pay your tithing, even though you don't have the money for it. And then you get a blessing, like things work out. I did have a lot of that. And that kind of confirmed my testimony and like, yeah, I do remember that now that you mentioned testimony. Hmm. Counselor Davis, what was your question? Or are you frozen? And then so from, oh, there you are. Okay, go. I think, sorry, I think there's a little delay on this, but uh, so baptized 2004, married 2007. Mm -hmm. um, you're married quite, quite quick in the church. Uh, well, not by, oh, yeah. you were actually kind of old, an old hag by the time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no. <laughs> I was not, I was 22. You were, you were what? You were 21? 22. Well, I mean, most Latter-day Saint girls getting married at 19, you're kind of, you're on your oh, way to yes. spinsterhood. I, I guess. Dude, at BYU-Idaho, I told my FHE sisters that I was, I think I was 20, 24 when I had this conversation. I said, I said, oh, I'm 24. And they're like, wow, like you're old. And I'm, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But any, anyway, so you, you, you get married. Please continue. Did you marry the boy that you went to church for? Or can, can we talk about that relationship? Or Sure. <laughs> No, nothing's off the table. I told so, you that. So you went to church for this boy. I'm guessing you joined the church in part because of this boy. Did that relationship ever go anywhere? Yeah, he baptized me. That was, yeah, I was the first person he baptized. Um, got baptized in 04. He left on his mission in, 0, in the early part of 05. Um, and then got returned early part of 07. Um, that is a whole thing 
So, uh, what, what? We dated once during high school, like before I was officially Mormon. Like we were, we were a couple for a small portion of time, like super small, like ten days, weeks, couple kind of thing, like very small. Hmm. Um, and then he had a different girlfriend for the rest of high school, <laughs> although I still was hard crushing on him. And then, so I graduated in 03, got baptized in 04. He went on his mission in 05. And during his mission, we had, we, um, I got, bought him and I, we were best friends. Now, do I think I was like, he was more of my best friend than I was of his best. I don't know. But I bought him and I both these little like handheld recorder things with those, you know, little mini tapes. Right. And yeah. so we would, we would record these audio like journals or letters to each other for those two years and that during those two like he part of his letter so when i met my now husband i had all this stuff from this other boy like these tapes i had letters different things right pictures and I burned all of it. So I don't have any of it hmm. to like re-remember, re- like remember things and specifics. But we had talked like on his, while he's on his mission, on his audio tape, he had told me things like uh, how he wanted to get married to me when he returned home and how he imagined us growing old and like bickering like an old married couple. And um, yeah, so I was thrilled. That was something that I had wanted for years mm-hmm. is to like be with this guy. And so he comes <laughs> home from his mission. It's very, I was very awkward because this thing that I had wanted for years was finally coming true of dating this guy. He had been gone for two years. So I physically had not given a hug or anything for two years. Haven't seen him in the, in a, face to face for two years so it was very I remember at being at the airport I picked him up I went with his family to pick him up and I was just it was like a, a dream coming true in real life it was weird I was so like in I was like oh, like I was just like flabbergasted and, and just it was very surreal that's the word I would use so he comes home we, yeah, we, we basically had talked about on like while he was on his mission that like we were going to get married and we were talking about when would we get married and like when he came home, we were talking about like when would we get married and all that. And I have, for, I wrote myself journal entries hmm. via email, hmm. just a couple. And so there was a couple of months ago that I came across them. Oh, his mom was asking me for something. I'm still, I still talk to his parents. His mom was asking me for something. So I was like looking back in my email with his name as a search title of the search word. And I found these old journal entries that I'd emailed myself and I was rereading them and I can see the spiral happening of when we were, cause we broke up, obviously mm-hmm. that's the spoiler. We broke up. We were together just for six weeks. Like it wasn't even a long relationship at all, but uh, I could see my in my email journal entries. I could see this like it unraveling very clearly when I read it back. But uh, 
he had told me later, I still felt very like shocked. Like we were just talking about marriage. We were talking about when are we getting married? You spent two years on your mission telling me how much you love me and how much you imagine us together. Like, how could we like, cause it was so sudden. It felt very sudden to me. Um, and to the day, two weeks after we broke up, which was a Sunday. I do remember this because it was so it's yeah stuck in my, in my timeline there two weeks of the day that he broke up with me. He proposed to a girl, another girl. What? And, yeah. Another girl that he had just met since also since coming home on his mission, like during an FHE or something like that. Like another girl that he, like he nor I never knew her because she was just new to the ward. And he met her on like an FHE or something. And then, yeah, two weeks to the day that he broke up with me, he proposed to her. Please tell me she they said no. Oh, no. She said yes. They got married on the day that we originally talked about getting married on. Uh, they're still married today and they have four kiddos. Well, I mean, congratulations <laughs> to them, but that wow. is fast. Wow. So that was rough. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to ask any questions to follow wow. up on okay. that. Okay. So that, so I mean, like, what's your headspace there? You, you've joined this church in large part because of this guy. You're sending yeah. tapes back and forth, which like, I'm old enough that when I, yeah, when I was a missionary, that was still a thing. So I can remember. Yeah. I'm so annoyed now that. that missionaries have all these like freedoms. <clears throat> and I'm like, what the, that's so unfair. Oh, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I remember, I remember like finding those tape recorders in apartments and then just listening to some random elder's girlfriend. Oh, tape. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And then you guys are getting all worked up to get married. And then, so he, it was more, it was his decision to break up and you're just yep. kind of left in the wreckage of this. Oh yeah. I still full on loved him, was totally prepared to get right. married because, I, and he told me later, cause I, I tried to, I was asking him, I was like, what happened? Like, cause it was so it was like shocking to me. And, and again, reading those emails, email journals to myself, I can see it now, but at the time I couldn't see it at all. His reasoning was basically that I, I, I don't know his wording, but basically that I had no personality of my own, that I was just like, I had no opinions. I had no, like, I, cause, cause to me, I just wanted to hang out with him. Like I had no opinions on what we did or where mm -hmm. we went, or what movie we watched. I just wanted to be with you. And that was the reason he broke up with me was because I had no life outside of him or opinions outside of him. Mm. So it's very ironic. I think is that. Do, do you feel like that was a, a fair comment from him? Like based on how you were. Not at the or? time, not at the time. I didn't think it was a fair comment because to yeah. me, I was just like, but I love you so much. I just want to be with you. I was yeah. shocked. I just don't understand. But again, reading back the journal entries to myself, mm -hmm. I completely agree that that's where I was, mm, that I had, yeah. I, I did have no opinions, no strong, like I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't care what we did or where we went or who we were with because I just wanted to be with you. So I definitely agree that that was factual. That was what, how I was and how, I, how it happened. But hmm. why'd you break up? With yeah. Yeah. Did, did that do anything to your testimony then? Or was it like, oh, but we were supposed to be together or were you just kind of like, well, I guess God has a different plan for me. No, I don't think it, it touched my testimony in a negative or a positive way, you know, either direction. It definitely affected my personality. Mm -hmm. Like my like, well, F you, I guess I'm just going to be me, be me then. Hmm. So 
the next person that I seriously dated was my husband, was my now husband. And yeah, we're married now 14 years. <laughs> yeah. So- oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here, here's a funny, here's a funny, interesting part, I think. So and I'm going to say some dates just because it's relevant. So he was, he got back home in the early part of 07. Like I said, we had discussed getting married on uh, July 7, 2007, 777. But he fell, and I agreed with him that it felt really fast. Like it, and now I'll spoiler alert my husband and I got married after two months, but I'll come back to that. Um, so 777 was like, oh, that's cool, but also feels like too soon. So he was talking about 888, August 8th, 08, which now I'm like, that's a red flag. What Mormon boy waits 18 months to get married? But yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the girl that he ended up getting married to got married on 777, which did totally piss me off for a long time because they got married on that day that we were discussing that was too soon for us, but not too soon for them, but sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, but I'd always felt, I don't know why I'd always felt like I'd get married in uh, uh, September of 07. <coughs> I don't know why I just always thought I would. Uh, and then my husband, I met my husband well in the church, like in YSA and actually he tells me now that like during that part that I was inactive in 04, he, maybe it was a different year, but I was inactive at whatever point he's telling me the story. Uh, he had come to pick me up and like knock on the door and check in on me. But like, we didn't know each other anyway. We didn't know each other, each other until 07. He, he got um, asked me on a date June 1st, proposed July 28th. And then we were talking about getting married in November and then with dates of the temple, we changed it to October. And then I don't remember the reason, but we changed it to September. So we got married in September of 07, which if you asked me nine months before, which is when this other fella got home, I would have been like, like that would have been just a shocking storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know my, my point of what point was to tell you that. It's story, an interesting but- story. I mean, you know, yeah. did, so did, when you were going through this, did you feel like, oh, I'm living like the Mormon life? Like, tell me about the the Mormon, Mormoniness of of your life experience from yeah. that. Yeah. <sighs> so I got married in the temple. <clears throat> and on my side of the temple was two people, which was actually the ex-boyfriend's, excuse me, the ex-boyfriend's dad <clears throat> and his wife. Not hit, not this ex, this other guy's mom, but new new wife. Mm, but anyway, because mm-hmm. they were the closest people that I had that were family, that were also in the church and could go to the temple. Okay. So now I look back and I'm like, I feel so bummed that like my mom didn't come to my wedding, mm-hmm. right? Stuff like that. But that was really really hard because I was so committed and in and like going to the temple. That wasn't a question. Like, of course I'm going to the temple to get married. And, um, we ended up having a ring ceremony the week after, like in an LDS church building with like a reception and stuff. Hmm. My, my husband made a oopsie <clears throat> comment <laughs> that day. We were running late and, and he was like, what, what, like what's taking, it's not even a real wedding. And my mom had, was right behind him and oh, heard no. him say that. But to her, that was the wedding, the wedding. right? This yeah. ring ceremony. Anyway. Um, but I remember I remember anything to do with the temple, both when I got married, but like afterwards, I always felt, let me preface this by saying I was always a very 
anxiety ridden child, even before mm-hmm. I was in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember always feeling guilty about anything and having to like confess to my mom. This is before I was even in the church. So when you add in eternal salvation at stake to that <clears throat> and following the rules, I was extremely <clears throat> guilty. I felt guilty about anything I did, like looking at someone, my eyes drifting one way. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I just broke like a, a commandment. Like I felt just guilty about everything, especially mm-hmm. with like having to go to the wanting to go to the temple and, and having to do my you know interview. And I that was. Yeah, you add this anxiety ridden child or person plus eternal salvation it becomes a very anxious uh sister tyler yeah yeah and that's that's one of the things you commented on our podcast about that's something you mentioned to us was like uh taking it too seriously right and so did you become you know like obsessed like that like because it was so serious yeah so again my family was not mormon Mm -hmm. uh none of them my my everyone smoked drank had coffee (coughs) excuse me um and there were i cried when i got a drop of coffee on my hand once i went to a conference and a guy spilt his beer all over my purse and i just bawled i felt guilty because it was on my things and i was breaking the word of wisdom and my brother would ask for like an iced tea from McDonald's or whatever. That would be part of his order. And I might go pick up McDonald's and I don't want to get the iced tea because I felt like me ordering the iced tea for him broke the word of wisdom. You're enabling the sin. Mm-hmm. And You're, so, and like yeah. if it was in the car and it, and it spilled on my hand or they filled it too tall and it got on my skin, I was so anxious. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was, it, at what point did you start to realize that was a problem? Like, when did you be like, oh, you know, maybe I'm being too obsessive over this? Not till I was out of the church. Really? Really? Right. Till, yeah, I was right till full the letter of the law till I left, like, till I stopped going to church. <clears throat> uh, now I look back and I'm like, oh, that's where I had a lot of anxiety. It was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like, I can see it now. But at the time I was, I was like fully in, I would like, you know, for tithing, for example, again, I'm very logical. I'm very analytical as cancer Davis knows. I, but I also didn't want to pay tithing because I'm like, I want my money. So I would like, <laughs> in order to like, I'd like read all these scriptures about like tithing and what it's supposed to, it's just for the, your gain or your, your income versus like, what's it supposed to be on. So I could calculate the like smallest amount that I could give that was, letter of the law appropriate according to the scripture like yeah interesting that's that's really interesting because i still did i still was me i still had my own opinions and didn't want to pay tithing but i'm like i need to pay tithing to go to the temple and go to the celestial kingdom therefore i will see what what the scripture says so i can actually like i would like yeah (laughs) i was very (laughs) specific yeah with everything at at what point did things start unraveling for you? Like what were some of the shelf items? Yeah. Oh, and I'll also say even things like, 
okay, you know how like the roads are like 50 kilometers an hour or like that main highway is like 100 kilometers an hour, but everyone goes 110 or mm-hmm. whatever, right? I, to the dot, would be 100, 100 or like really? 50. Like going over the speed limit was against the commandments. It A was lot. breaking the law. And we know in the Church of Jesus, even the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe in honoring and you have to follow the law, law, the city, yeah, the law of the way. As long as yeah. that law has nothing to do with marriage. Yeah, like, yeah. If it's, I mean, if it's polygamy, then. Mm, yeah, do we follow depending it? Depending on what God's told us that year, yeah. we may or may not comply with the law. If we need statehood, we may or may not comply with the law, but generally. Yeah. We- <laughs> that pissed me off so bad, by the way, was this whole polygamy thing. So I've always been monogamous until recently, but I'll come back to that. But uh, the idea of polygamy (laughs) and the, I've heard about it. And for me, polygamy was not ever this like shocking concept or how people are so like against it or had like such strong reactions to it. I was like, Oh, that's what they teach. Or like, that's what happens in, you know, celestial kingdom. Mm -hmm. And then I was more angry that, if it happens in the celestial kingdom, but you're persecuted and ex- excommunicated for it on earth, that hypocrisy made me so angry. So you would I'm have like, been, you would have been more happy if we were currently practicing polygamy. You would have seen well, that as more I would consistent. Have been, yes. At the very least that you were not excommunicating people mm-hmm. for it. That seems so hypocritical. So if you want to take a shelf, maybe that was one. The real thing for me was, go ahead. Well, that's just very, because that is the exact opposite reaction of probably 99% of people when they find out about. Oh, yeah. Is that, I know that's, well, that's very interesting because I think there's a smaller segment of kind of ex-Mormon, post-Mormon where they're like, the church isn't true enough, right? It's like 90% of people leave the church because they're like, it's not true. And then there's this like five to 10% where they're like, it's not true enough. Right. They need to be doing we need to be Better. communal living and we need to be practicing polygamy and all the current prophets have lost their way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not even that I think that we should all be doing those things. I just think that the excommunication of someone who's doing what you've told is the law in heaven. Yeah. You're, but they're doing it on earth. You're, you're excommunicating them for it. Like yeah. that's, that's like hypocritical to the extreme there. Yeah. In my opinion. Hmm. But anyway, Agreed. Um, we'll concede that point. <laughs> Strike it from the minutes, though. <laughs> um, Duly noted, for Bishop. Me, so I had this part of my story. I'm always like, what's the right like order to say these things in? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in no particular order that might make sense. Uh, I'd always worried that I was gay. Hmm. Like worried about it. Like actively was like oh my god i hope i'm not gay i prayed about it i remember thinking or feeling that i had a revelation from god that he said you are straight i remember that like and i was like i always fell back on that like no he told me i'm straight he told me i'm straight and i learned later that those kind of questions or worries are not typical of straight people Mm -hmm. and so uh i i'd always worried about it And I never, like, had a crush on a girl. I never dated a girl in high school or anything. I never, I just always worried, like, 
I think I'm gay. I think I'm gay. I think I'm gay. I'm not gay. God told me I'm not gay. He told me I'm straight. But uh, then there was, I went to this conference. It was like a personal development slash professional development conference. It was like three days. And one of the elements uh, in the second or third day was very close, very fast. But one of the things was partnering up with someone that you didn't know, like a stranger, (coughs) excuse me. And then like telling them like you're, something that you've been going through or something that's really hard for you to talk about, or it was just something that's like personal to you to tell a stranger just to kind of get it out. And I don't remember what I told them, but after the very end of that piece, the, the, whatever, the person who was conducting all of it said, okay, is there anything else that you haven't said? And shouting in my brain was, I think I might be gay. I think I might be gay. So I said that to this person And I burst into tears. I was so overcome with like relief for saying it out loud. Um, Emotion. I don't know. It's the first time I said it out loud. And that was like 2016. Um, So that kind of like broke the flood, like the gates, like the dam or whatever. And I just, I was like, I'm gay. Like I, I knew it from that point like 2016, I was still super active in the church, going to Institute. I was in the choir. I was like, I think I was a, what's the word? I don't think I was in primary yet, but very active in church, but also like, Oh, I think I might be gay. I wrote that. And I wrote a chapter in a book that I was asked to be part of. And I said, the seven words that changed my life was, I think that I, I think I might be, I don't know. It adds up to seven. I think I might be gay. And it changed my life. Cause I was uh, it just this relief. It's like, maybe like counselor Davis said about his other story. Like it was like, Oh my gosh, that's it's out there. It's out there. I said it out loud. Um, but then when I tried to reconcile, cause again, I was married since 07. So I was married for like nine years at this point. I was trying to reconcile how the church can love everyone, but condemn gay people. Mm -hmm. Like I hadn't acted on it. I I hadn't no plans of acting on it because I was married, right? I'm in a heterosexual marriage of almost a decade. So it wasn't a question of like acting on it, but it was a question of like, how, how can, God say he wants me to be happy, but also forbid family. Like, again, I was married. So this is more at the time. It was more of like a, a thought about generalized people Mm -hmm. that are gay, like, and generalized people that they can't, if they want to stay in the church, they can't act on it. Therefore they can't have a spouse or a partner or, you know, sexual relations with that partner they can't have the family, which is the most important thing in the church. Mm-hmm. So the family is the most important thing, but you're telling me because I'm gay, I can't have that. Like I couldn't reconcile those two things. And my husband and I ended up separating in the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was looking back. I don't, it wasn't because of, <clears throat> excuse me, the gay part, but it was more of like, I just, felt like we weren't 
he wasn't romantic enough. And like, we didn't go on enough dates that were felt like, uh, it's funny. Cause that first guy broke up with me cause I had no opinions mm-hmm. and I separated from my husband because he had no opinions. <laughs> kind of this like full circle he had no like i'd be like what do you want to do and he'd be like i don't know and i'm like just, this is so frustrating like so we ended up separating um <clears throat> so that's i'll give you the bullet points and you can follow up with any questions you want we separated 2016 end of 2016 um i was best friends with this woman from like 2014 i still was best friends with her she and i ended up becoming a couple in 2018 through 2020. So like for two years while separated from my husband, who's also, we're still living in the same house because we have four kids. And then me and my husband reconcile in 2019, which you'll, you'll remember is before I broke up with, we broke up with the girl before that. And anyway, my husband and I were reconciling whilst I was still in a relationship with this woman. Mm-hmm. That's why I mentioned the polygamy thing earlier was like, I'm monogamous, but except for this like six month period of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we broke, she and I broke up 2020, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and my husband and I reconciled 2019. He and I are still together. She and I are not. Anyway, so okay. feel free to follow up. I know that's a lot of information. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. Um, well, as you know, homosexuality is a, a sin. So we're going to need uh, explicit details <laughs> in order to move forward. Just kidding. Please. No details. Um, <laughs> but um, okay. So, wow. So you discover, I'm guessing bisexuality because you, you had a, intense infatuation with a boy at one point in time and then you're also feeling yeah. like you might be gay so you, you discover that you're bisexual t- yeah i posted this on twitter because i actually went back and forth for years about like i'm gay i'm bisexual i'm gay i'm bisexual uh i posted this on twitter like the other day i said i'm gay with some exceptions hmm. okay is how i i saw that someone else post that and i'm like that's the most accurate description but for, for ease of understanding, I say bisexual because to say I'm gay while also being 14 years married to my, a, a man, mm-hmm. it's just easier to say I'm bisexual. Right, right. Yeah. It's really so, gay with exceptions. So um, while you're reconciling with your husband, but also uh, with your girlfriend, do your husband and your girlfriend know about that? You're, yep. So they were all like cool or yep. not cool? Yeah. Okay. She actually herself was is also was is still married herself, right. uh, though less years than me and my husband were. Um, and she had always, I mean not always, but she's she was poly polyamory. Like polyamory was it like right. polyamorous yeah. is the word. She was always okay, totally fine with multiple relationships. And right. yeah, uh, Cancer Davis. I don't know if you knew that about her. I, uh, uh, Cancer Davis does know this person. I I did not know that about her, but I did know about all the the goings on between 2000, I guess, 18 to 2020. Yeah. So I, like it. Oh, sorry. I, at what at what point did you uh, did your I guess unreconciled feelings between how you were feeling and your desired lifestyle and the church. 
um, you know, how did those, when did they kind of butt heads and when did you decide that you didn't want to be part of the church? It was 2017. If I recall, um, my husband and I, at that point we were called, I don't know what the official name was, but we worked in the primary. We were in charge of the kids, Mm. which by the way, was like the best calling I've ever had. I have four kids. I had four C-sections. So they cut me off. They literally tied my tubes. They wouldn't let me have any more, but I've always wanted like 10 kids. So to not be allowed to have more kids myself, but then be in charge of primary with all these like cute little toddlers and babies. One kid threw up on me in my first day and I was like, this is the best. It was, <laughs> it was great. Um, we were, it was, it was 2017. And I don't remember exactly like the day that I was like, I'm not going to church ever again. I don't remember a specific like cutoff. I just remember, like I said earlier, at some points I'd be like trying to avoid the class, the lesson by going in the hallway and just spending time on my phone or something, just trying to avoid that. And uh, I still really enjoyed Institute and choir. um, But it was like, I don't know. It was like the Sunday sack, like the Sunday meetings that were first to go, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't have a specific like event or date that happened. That was like, this is the end. It was just, I kept trying to reconcile it. I kept, I kept asking people, I posted again, Facebook memories are a huge like journal for me because you can look back at your, your history. And I had uh, like a week where I was posting these like questions to my audience which had a large like mormon part of it and non-mormon to be like hey can someone like look at this concept of the church loves everyone but also you can't have a family and you're going to go to like you're not going to be in the celestial kingdom if you act on your chosen lifestyle right like how does that how does that work so i was trying to i was i was desperately wanting to stay in the church and trying to find a logical reason that I could get on board with, with, you know what I mean? Like from other people, from other Mormons, uh, just trying to get like, I wanted to stay. That's what I was. I wasn't trying to like research to leave. I was trying to research so I could reconcile it to stay. What, what kind did. of, what kind of answers did you find? What kind of things were there to at least try and, you know, keep you in? Uh, not a lot that I can remember. Uh, people that replied were mostly non-Mormon, but I was I wrote explicitly like to my Mormon friends, like, can you guys un- help me understand this? Very little, if any Mormons actually replied. Hmm. So that's where I was like, I'm not hearing any reason. I'm not mm-hmm. hearing any uh, explanation. Uh, but I and I can't I can't like, and I'm very, I guess, what's the word that you like believe in? Uh, a higher being, but you don't necessarily believe in God is atheist or agnostic. Agnostic Agnostic is like basically every, it's like an all encompassing term saying, Oh, you don't know. Um, Atheist is that's where I'm in now. Okay. Even though I was so, I was so hundred percent sure of God and Christ and everything. Now I feel so confused maybe because I don't know how a God, a loving God would condemn someone for wanting a family that is supposedly the most important thing in the church. Mm -hmm. 
like I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around it and it felt just I was like I have to just separate from this yeah yeah so go go ahead bishop so it was like the crux for you was your personal sexual identity and that not meshing with the church and then the whole concept of okay I'm actually sitting in the driver's seat of I'm, I'm actually I'm not talking about those people I'm not talking about those gays. I'm gay and the church is not working for who I am. And this isn't some choice I made. This is just a part of me. And this part of me, the church rejects completely. And yeah. I can't and sit like, with that. I wrote a note from one of your other podcasts. I wrote a note that uh, it, you guys were talking about like the priesthood and, and black men and how like it, they didn't get the priest and but it didn't impact you so it didn't really like it wasn't a big deal for you that was the same thing for me about like lgbtq issues yeah because there was that policy about like children of gay people would not be allowed to get baptized or whatever and I, at the time i was fully in i was like that makes sense like it, it didn't impact me this like the same way until i realized i was gay like before yeah. it came out I was like, that makes sense. I can believe, I can get on board with that. Yep, I get it. Yeah, like I, and I think I'm the minority here, is that, like, I I felt the same way about the November policy, is I was just like, I think it was Todd Christofferson who came and gave an explanation, and his explanation was basically like, look, we don't want children to become like bargaining chips in a political culture war, so we're just going to leave them out. And I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Of course the church would do this. And even now that I'm out, like I see the policy as harmful, but I see it as consistent with LDS logic. I understand why they would do something like that. I don't agree with it, but I can understand. I'm not surprised that the church would do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, so I, we don't go to church. However, I was for a while, I was letting my kids still participate in activity days and young women stuff because it was a free social activity outside of church hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then my daughter, my oldest in this year has been the age of young women's and they do stuff that's more religious-y. Like Mm -hmm. they pray at the beginning and end of every session. And they they would drop off these like journals that were had like the, I didn't go to young women. So I don't know all the words. I told this to counselor Davis. They had all the the virtues or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they dropped things off. And I, I don't want my kids to learn things that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I understand the policy of not having your kid be baptized in a church that you don't, you're not part of. However, at the time, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time when I was, had come out gay in 2016, but I was still in the church in 27, I was like, I still believed but as long as I was, you know, in 2018 with this other, like with this woman in a, in a, like dating her, even though I, like, I can't, my kids couldn't get baptized. Like what I want, what if I want them to get baptized? Like, you know what I mean? Like that made me upset. It like, it like put you in that position. Cause I think, I feel like there are a lot of people who, you know, um, believe in in the church but they because they're homosexual they want to be in a relationship which makes sense you know and yeah. and then but they still might want that for 
their children, which exactly. Yeah, I, so so I, I get that, and I also get what Bishop's saying about how it's it's consistent with with the yeah. church. Like, I don't understand now that I'm out. I don't understand why you know why would anybody want to be part of this, right? Yeah, and I guess I yeah. can see you know the community, and there's a lot. I guess there's a lot of reasons, but yeah. You know, yeah, there's just that kind of back and forth of, well, you know, I get it. But also, like, what the heck, you know? I think for me, it was like, so you want me to sacrifice this part of me and not be in a homosexual relationship. Mm -hmm. But if I did, you would you would punish my children, too, even though I if I believed in the church, you wouldn't let them get baptized and get the blessings and all of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if it's completely consistent with what the church teaches because they are huge on baptizing children of non-members as long as there's permission and maybe, and a lot of these. Okay. I have to interrupt because that bugged me too. Like I'm giving you permission to baptize my child, but I'm gay. So you can't baptize them. Like you could you baptize non-member children, like right? That just fucking, right, right, right. It's like hypocritical there. Is, Pick and choose about it, what's important enough. Is it just because of the the homose- homosexual relationship is so grievous that you know they can't? You know, you don't want to put a child who is attending church in a home where there's you know there's two moms, but like then you have a couple that aren't married, um, you know, living in uh, a fornication state um right having children that are baptized so i like is it is Mm -hmm. it is there a hierarchy of of sins and condemnation and i heard you know some people um arguing in favor of the policy saying that oh yeah because if they're baptized then they're going to become gay because their parents are gay i'm like that that's not how it works they might actually be more uh empathetic towards all people instead of having this narrow-minded a perspective of like what is a family what is love what is acceptable before god hmm. and so i don't know if there is consistency there i think it's just you know they were trying to take a stand in this you know this uh, global acceptance of homosexuality and other lgb lgbtq uh sorry i messed that up pretty good um issues <laughs> and and whatnot um so yeah, I don't I don't know if it was completely consistent. And that's that's kind of what my wife and I were impacted by the most was just this this clearly pointed attack on, you know, a group of, of people. Mm-hmm. And then for them and then for them to just take it back and like, how can you tell me that the church is the same in yes, the past today, and today now and forever? And forever? Yeah. And the best part also, is that it was oh sorry. But also just change all the rules all the time. Like, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Well, it was Revelation both times, which was even better. Right. Like, it's Russell Nelson. I th- another interesting thing is that it was leaked. The church didn't come out with it. It was leaked. And then after oh, it was leaked, I didn't know that. Russell Nelson, in a not official church address, I think it was like to BYU or something like that in a devotional, talks about how the Lord, we considered all possible permutations and combinations. Um, of, of ways to manage this situation. And then the voice of the Lord spoke through president Thomas S. Monson. And this was the path revealed. And then when he brought it, when, when they took it off, he said that God revealed to them that we'd made a mistake or something. I don't know. 
like it. And yeah. So Thomas was, Monson was completely senile at the time, unfortunately. Well, yeah. But, you know, and so obviously Russell Nelson, who's also in his nineties is completely not senile and he's receiving revelation. Um, so I guess, I mean, I'm okay. I I'll concede to you there, counselor Davis. I'm maybe not wholly consistent. I think I'm not, I just wasn't surprised because this, the battle, I guess, after Prop 8, after the family proclamation, it's just like, oh, the church is punishing homosexual members of the church? As they That makes would. sense. Yeah. That, <laughs> I, that's no, the I, consistent part. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's totally the, that's the consistent part. Yeah, it's not, just like yeah nothing in the doctrine. of it is. Yeah, nothing in the doctrine is ever consistent. Like, it never makes sense. But, yeah. um, but the, you know, the the judgment that you know pushing aside of of anybody who's who's different who doesn't fit that mold uh is, mm-hmm. is consistent but anyways so what was you know you have an issue with this and you know it becomes an issue because you realize that you fit into that category and so then you know mo- moving forward how did things continue to unravel for you yeah that was mostly so at the time my husband his family's very, even still, is very active in the church. Um, and he was very, not active in the church per se, not like ex, not like trying to go above and beyond, but like he wants to go to church. He believes in the church. Like we didn't agree on whether we should like leave the church or not. Because um, yeah we just had different opinions on that. Mm-hmm. And we were also separated at the time in that same time frame. So it was like, well, whatever, you don't, you believe in the church. I don't believe like whatever. It doesn't matter. Cause we're separated anyway. Um, it was mostly just that I couldn't find any explanation that made sense to me that reconciled even, even to now 2021, like how, how do you say that you love everyone? but also behind the scenes slash even overtly condemn them to hell or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that for me, it was just, a, it was a, like, well, I'm trying to stay in the church. I want to stay in the church. I want to believe, give me any reason to stay. No one could give me an explanation. So I was like, I'm out then I guess. And then my husband actually followed uh, after that. And he himself is also, like we haven't officially taken our names off the record or anything, but we both left the church. His is for the different reason of the church history and not learning all the stuff that actually happened, you know, hundreds of years ago and not knowing all this stuff. So different reason, but he's still out now as well. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So I, guys... I wanted to stay in, but yeah, enough, no one gave me an ex- a reason to stay. And I, so. I think what, what you're talking about with your, your post uh, speaks volumes about just members of the church, about education in the church, is that you spend your life going to at least two hours of classes per week, and you cannot engage with a difficult or uncomfortable conversation. So it's like Mormons are going to Sunday school, perpetually studying and never learning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yep. And it's, it's like you put out this question, you say, help me make sense of this. Nobody can answer because nobody's really ever asked the question, how is this consistent? And nobody's had an answer. And I think 
like as I was, that was the, the most painful thing for me when I was leaving is that I'm finding issues and I'm trying to engage and nobody can engage with anything other than like, keep the commandments, say your prayers. And I think if somebody could have engaged with me, yeah, I might've stayed for a few more years because it would have been intellectually satisfying to be a part of it, but mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if you guys experienced this when you left the church, but I wanted to stay and I was like, give me an explanation and I will be on board. It yeah. honestly, I don't think it would have even taken much. I just needed someone to, yeah, like you said, engage on this conversation with me, talk it out to make it make sense. Yeah. But you know, nobody can. Yeah. 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 Except to say pray. I'm like, get out <laughs> did, of here. Did, did you pray about it? <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, also, to kind of come back to the beginning of our conversation where I was very like letter of the law and like every rule was I had to follow it to like 100%. Uh, and they say like pray always or whatever. I prayed hundreds of times a day just in my head. I always was praying mm-hmm. like every single minute. I remember I would just like would be thinking a prayer. Mm-hmm. Which would kind of drive my my brain crazy because I'm not ever not thinking of a prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to do it right and pray always. Yeah, you try and you try and you try, but uh, once you know it, the uh, church isn't true. Surprise! Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, sorry for anybody listening who who didn't find that out yet. <laughs> yeah. So, so you. So your husband's working his way out of the church and then you come up with this. It sounds like you guys are in an open marriage. And did you approach him about that? Did he say, sounds like you have some repressed gayness you need to work out, but we've got four kids. So let's make this work. Or like, how did that whole conversation go? No. Well, like we were separated in 2017. So, or 2016. So when we started dating, when I did my girlfriend in 2018, Yes, he still lived in the same house as me because of our kids, but we were right. You individuals. weren't you weren't right. together. Your roommates. Yeah, yeah. We just but hadn't that, gotten divorced yet because it was more financially made sense to stay married in the same house. So you stay together, but then you reconcile with your husband while you're still seeing your girlfriend. So at that point right. in time, like when you're reconciling, you're like, so open marriage, like or yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we didn't. I don't think we just we didn't discuss it explicitly to say like, okay, we're in an open marriage. Cool. Right. It was more just like, oh, I I still like you. <laughs> Let's spend time together. Right. Um, like he never had like another girlfriend himself or anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it was this like six months of of time where I had two partners. Right. Was even challenged. Like it was because I was never like uh, polyamorous growing up or anything like that never crossed my mind. And even now I would say I'm, I would say I'm monogamous except again for those six months of time, because right. that's just how it worked out. But yeah. So hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. So I get, okay. So you, you reconcile with your husband, you guys are just, you're back together. And yeah. like, is it, are you still in a, like how have you settled with your gayness or bisexuality? Is it still something you explore? Is I, it- yeah. Something the only thing, so, yeah. You're, you got out of your system and now you're just back to normal. <laughs> got it out of your system. <laughs> or regular. That, that, is, some, that, that is something a bishop would say. That is something a bishop what, would say. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right, so did you get the homosexuality uh, out of your system? <laughs> well, I don't, I'm just he said I'm to kind the... of following the way. You, sorry, like I just mean to follow it the way you're, you're, you're telling your story is it seems like you talk about the six month period of time, but also at the same time, uh, homosexuality is deeply a part of who yeah. you are. So where are you at with it now? Is... Yeah, that's a good question. Because like I am in a heterosexual marriage of seven, uh, 14 years with four kids. So yeah. I pass as a heterosexual person, like I pass mm-hmm. as a straight person. Mm-hmm. So this has been in the last like year or so I, cause I felt for a long time that like, Oh, I'm married to a man. And then again, when I came out as gay, I never had a female partner ever. Mm-hmm. So I felt almost like I was not part of the club, if that makes sense. Hmm. Because I like, I've, I've only ever been with a man and I married, right? Like I never felt like a real gay person. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm in this committed monogamous relationship with my husband. So I'm not like exploring other women. So the way that I share that I'm part of the club, I guess, is Like I, I bought some glasses that have like a rainbow on them or mm-hmm. I have a tattoo that's an equal sign on my hand hmm. for like equality or like I, I have this unicorn shirt that I feel is like my gayest outfit that I have at the moment. <laughs> and I just like wearing that kind of stuff because it it's like, I feel like even if I'm not obviously gay or with a woman, I can still show that I'm an, it's like I'm an ally, but I'm also part of like, right. the community. Okay? But I'm right. but I'm not but I'm not in a homosexual relationship. So right. it looks like I'm not. So I'm trying to like prove myself, I guess, almost sort of. I've like, heard of I don't know I've, if that makes sense. Well, I've heard about this. Maybe you got some more insight, is that I've heard that within the LGBTQ community there's a rejection of the bi community by the gay community because the bi community can pass as heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Right. And they don't. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. And that's but, kind of how I feel is like, oh, go ahead. Do you have a question? Well, just that like they can pass. So like, have you experienced that firsthand or is that just. Oh yeah. Like I, I feel like I, I don't know exactly the, re- like how to explain it, but like in all of my social media profiles, I put a little rainbow. Right. Or like if it comes up, I mention that I'm bisexual because I want it to be known that even if you can pass as heterosexual, mm-hmm. you can still be part of the community. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's I I think it's kind of like um you know, not making it seem like, oh, I'm just trying to hide away in their world, you know, like I'm just trying to fly under the radar. Instead, you're like, no, no, like this is part, this is part of who I am. I'm totally bisexual and gay with exceptions. Right. That's totally who I am. I just happen to be married to a man. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Okay, interesting. But but I'm still gonna like show you that by wearing my like rainbow glasses or I literally just bought like the other day because it's Pride Month in the states. Mm-hmm. I bought a a sweater that has like a rainbows on the side, and like yeah, I'm excited to get that in the mail. But like, I'm not trying to hide just because I'm married to a man. Hmm. It, which has also, by the way, taken me some 
uh, I don't know if courage is the right word, but it's taken me, it's been something to overcome for me because I feel like I don't, I felt for a long time, like I didn't belong, like I'm married to a man and I never had a sexual partner with a woman. So therefore I'm not actually really a gay person. You know what I mean? Like I always felt like I didn't belong, but also I know wholeheartedly that I, I am gay. So I want to belong. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. Right. I think, I think it's interesting. I feel like the, this whole story we've talked about your whole story, your whole experience has really been one of, you know, trying to find your place, trying to figure out like, yeah. where do I fit in? You know, who do I fit in with? And, yes. and how do I, how do I communicate that outwardly? That, yes, that, that feeling, exactly. that sense that, that I, that I need and that I, that I have. And cause the church itself gave me such a community. Mm -hmm. I, I was so part of it. I was in the choir. I was like, I had so much, so many friends. I was, I did. Oh, I looked at your pictures, uh, Bishop Jensen on Facebook. I did EFY for three years. I loved EFY. Right. And then to be out of the church and just feel like, okay, I don't belong anywhere. I just felt very like alone. And so, yeah, putting a rainbow in my social media profiles is a way to make other people see that I'm not, I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. I just, it's the only thing I can do to show that I'm part of this community because I am part of the community. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I think this has been really enlightening and this is definitely one of our longer episodes and i i know sorry I, no 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 i i'm i'm fine with it i do have a few more questions if everybody's sure. okay to yeah, keep, keep going rolling um i i'm wondering now this is something we've talked about on the podcast before i'm wondering now how do you um how do you teach your kids like how how do you communicate these sorts of things with your kids and interact with them now that you've moved out of the church? That is a really good question. And I think <clears throat> even though it's almost like my coming out as gay and leaving the church, there are two separate things. They're also extremely intertwined, mm -hmm. right? Because the reason I left the church is because I'm gay and I couldn't reconcile it. So <clears throat> when I say, when I'm about to share like how I teach my kids, it, it'll include both sides of things like, my kids will, because they hear things at school or online about like transgender people and also like God and like mm -hmm. Jesus and like the, you know, Adam and Eve were the first people on earth and how did they make all the people? And um, what if I want to like, who, who's that person who's a boy who's now a girl? Like I, I hear all these different things and <clears throat> um I try to do my best because also I still am like a, a baby in the gay community. Like I'm a baby gay in terms of like, I don't really know how to have these conversations. I've never for 32 years of my 35 year life or whatever, I was like, you know, anti-gay, like gay is bad. Like I wholly believe that. So I do my best to teach, like to tell, like for my kids, I try, I mostly go like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Like for, for the God and Jesus and Adam and Eve and how dinosaurs versus people. Like, I just say like, you know, I don't really know. And like people, some people think this and some people think that. And like, I try to just share that there are different people that think different things specifically about like religion and that I don't know. Um, <clears throat> 
And then for like the, the LGBTQ stuff, I, it's an interest. I feel like this part that I'm about to share can all almost itself be a whole other hour long podcast because I grew, so I grew up in Catholicism, which was also like anti-gay, right? Mm-hmm. You can't be gay. And then I was in, I was super active in the Mormon church, even more than I ever was in the Catholic church <clears throat> about anti-gay. So again, I spent 32 years actively believing that being gay was bad and transgender people were bad and weird. And like, that's what I felt or believed because I was told that and I learned that and that was so ingrained in me. So I'm trying to teach my kids that there are a whole bunch of different types of people and different people that they live their lives different ways. And some people are born into a female body, but they are a man and they go through these surgeries or whatever. I try to teach all that, excuse me, while also subconsciously trying to overcome my own judgments of the gay community mm-hmm. because they're 32 years. I believed it was wrong to be gay. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard even myself to, to accept everybody in the LGBTQ community. Like my instinct is to not, mm-hmm. which I don't like that part about my instinct, but it's my instinct because that's what I lived for 32 years. Mm -hmm. So I have to actively think about like, Oh, what's my gut reaction? And like, why am I feeling like that? And what's the actual way that I really do feel that's not my gut, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm trying to work through that, like overcoming my own 32 years of, you know, lessons while also trying to share, to teach my kids that basically people believe different things. We love people Hmm. like accept them. It's okay. If you're a man who was born into a woman's body, but you're a man, but that's okay. Hmm. But then of course my mom, again, coming back to that, she's very stubborn. She's very old school. So my, my son mentioned something about like, I'm I'm a, I'm going to have a surgery one day and be a girl. I don't think he's actually transgender and would not actually do that. Mm-hmm. But he was saying it because we were talking about transgender people. Cause there was, you know, YouTube videos were watched and stuff. I have people that I watch that are transgender. Anyway, my mom heard him say that and was like, what are you talking about? That's stupid. Don't do that. Or like she was putting it down. Mm-hmm. Like it's ridiculous to be transgender. And like, I tried to tell my mom, like, you know, there are transgender people and, like I try not to engage too much with my mom because she's, she's so stubborn. And she, like I said, when I got baptized, she'll just not talk to me for weeks, which is too long for my like heart. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I try not to engage on too much. That's like hardcore political or like gay related, you know, transgender stuff, but it's tough. Yeah. When my kids are, I'm trying to teach my kids like openness. And then she comes in and is like, says that's down anyway yeah lots of uh trying to just yeah be open overcome my own biases yeah yeah and i i think that's something that we all have to do you know when Mm -hmm. when we're raised in a certain environment and then we come to the realization of like oh 
Like that was racist or homophobic or misogynistic. Yeah. Like you have, yeah, exactly. You have to unlearn these things. You have to sit down with yourself and say, okay, (laughs) what was everything wrong with how my parents raised me? And you have to, you have to pick through it. I had that conversation with my sister. I mentioned something about the church and, and she said, you know what? I'm still working through the racism and homophobia we were raised with. I can't talk about the doctrinal problems too right Mm -hmm. now. You know, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot that we have to sort through. It's a lot that we have to process. And it takes <laughs> years and a ton yeah. of effort. I know. I, I, I like drinking coffee, but I still, my first instinct is don't drink coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I still wear my garments, even right now. I'm wearing them. Not because I believe in the church or like believe that it'll give me salvation, but because it's, comfortable and for you know 11 years or whatever i wore them every day Mm -hmm. and so it's weird to not Mm -hmm. and i I haven't found a replacement item (laughs) i know it's where i'm like i've there's and sorry that came out real jumbled when you come out of the church there's no timeline or milestones but you Mm -hmm. when you're in the church there's a timeline and milestones on everything so it's like okay, after two year, more years, I get advanced in the priesthood to this office, and then I get this calling, and then I get, and then you come out, and it's like, so after how many months can I throw away my garments? After how many months can I get rid of my scriptures? It's like, wear the garments for the rest of your life if you want. Keep your scriptures for the rest of your life if you want. It's all up to you now. So I know I wore garments for a long time. Mm-hmm. After I, I feel weird time. even, I would, I want to throw out my garments, but I feel mm-hmm. weird just throwing them out. I still feel like I need to like cut, cut them, them up and burn them. Yeah, I still feel like I, so I haven't even dealt with them at all yet. Mm-hmm. And do you know having like, underwear? I don't know what I want to do. Having underwear that you have to burn to properly destroy is totally normal and not a sign <laughs> of a culture or high demand religion at all. Right? Yeah, there's a lot of red flags looking back now. <laughs> <laughs> right? But when you, when you're in it, it's all normal. It's like, like it, oh, yeah, you make course, it work. Of yeah. course, you cut up and burn underwear. How else do you dispose of it properly? Yeah, it's right. sacred. <laughs> yeah, Elder Jackson, do you have other any other questions that you had? Uh, you mentioned a couple questions you said you had. Yeah, uh, that was really like the the kids thing. That was like kind of the big thing. That's the thing I'm always m- most curious about because um, I couldn't imagine, you know, if my parents left while I was a kid, what a shock to my system that that would have been. And so that was that was the the biggest thing that. Um, that I was curious about. And, uh, and you mentioned your agnostic, like what's your kind of, I don't know, what's your, what's your thing now? Where, where do you, where do you fall? Do you, do you have a label or are you just kind of like, whatever? Yeah, I try, it's, I try not to think too hard about it because it makes me sad to think that like, I don't believe in God or I don't believe in any God that any church on the earth currently explains god as mm-hmm. you know I that reminds that me of a young farm boy who grew up in upstate <laughs> new york who's also confused just confused. <laughs> <laughs> i yeah i i mean i guess i do believe in that like there's so many like i still my my youngest is almost eight so my, i haven't been pregnant in eight years i still am like how did i make humans i mm. made humans like there's some other thing that created my body, which made it able to have to create other humans. Hmm. It's just, there's so many things that are 
out of the realm of even scientifically imaginable. I don't know. It's like, there has to be something bigger. Yeah. And then I have these moments of like, as I said, I used to pray all the time. I used to pray like anything, anything that was a struggle at all. Even if it was like, Oh, the light's red. I'm running late. Be like, please dear God, heavenly father, please have the, the light turn green in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like I prayed little things like that. And so I don't pray over those little things anymore, but if a big thing comes up in my life, I feel a little bit sad because I'm, I want to pray to help myself through it, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what or who to pray to. Mm -hmm. So I feel almost uh, like alone in that sense. Like I, I just have to deal with it myself, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So I believe there's a higher power of some kind. I don't think that the world just became the world on its own. I think something started it. I don't know, but I don't know what that is or how to pray to them. Hmm. That's interesting. You just, you pick a new one each week. Yeah. And then you compare notes. Yeah. We, we talked about this know, on the spiritual touring test episode test. where you, you, just have, you pray, pray to a different God every single week, take notes and account for, uh, <laughs> account for the, you know, the uh, statistical outliers and uh, and then figure out which which God is answering your prayers the best, and uh, and and go with that one. Um, yeah, it, but it, just it's try them all. Why not? Try, right? try them all. Yeah. Um, it it sounds <laughs> like you have like a real like awe and reverence for the universe, um, and mm-hmm. for like the world and nature and things around you. And I think that's awesome. And on the prayer thing, I even last night I was <laughs> like. Um, trying to figure out some some plans and stuff, and I was like, maybe I should pray about it. And then I was like, nah, I'm going to bed. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, I mean, yeah, it's a lot to sort through. And I think what's great about doing having these conversations is that we get to kind of talk about it and see where we're at and and sort through it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I really appreciate it. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for ha- having me. I well, was excited when Counselor Davis mentioned it, and I was like, yeah, I love to talk about it. These courts of love are great opportunities for us to get together and feel the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> um, should, should, we, uh, should we deliberate? Are we going to excommunicate? I mean, um, uh, disfellow, or what is, what is it called now? Is it still ex? No, it's like... Um, uh, it's something very corporate and banal. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Voluntary withdrawal of membership of right. According to subparagraph twenty five, <laughs> order eighty two. Well, I I think I think we should give President Tyler the priesthood and um and promote her. Um, <laughs> that's just my opinion. I I might get kicked out for that. I don't know how Bishop Jensen feels about that, but that, <laughs> I think you may as well. Yeah. Why I not? mean, the, the Sunday after I told the bishop I was done, we, we rent our basement to the missionaries and they asked me for a priest to bless you. And I just said, why the hell not? Like, <laughs> let's go for it. And they're like, oh, thank And they asked me to seal the anointing. So like be voice of the blessing. And I'm just saying, ah, according to your faith and yeah, you'll be miraculous, you know, and Lord loves you and is aware of your blah, 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 blah. And I felt really good about it. I felt really positive energy. And it's like, maybe this is the spirit. Nah. So yeah, give your kids a child's blessing by the power of the priesthood. Why not? You, it's, as, it's as real if you do it as if your husband does it. So. Well, right. well, didn't, 
Did the pioneers give blessings to their oxen that had fallen down and, and the women put their hands on the oxen's head oh, yeah. and, and got them up and running again? And yeah, yeah. it works. It works. Go for it. Easy. Easy peasy. Uh, any, any final remarks from anybody? We want to go through, uh, can I, uh, can I give you some, uh, not notes, but my like, oh my gosh, I resonated with this so much about your podcast. Can we, episodes? uh, let's wrap this episode up and then we'll do that episode next week. Uh, as in we'll, we'll record it right after, the, after this. How's that sound? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, then with that, thank you everybody for coming here today. Thank you, President Tyler for, um, for bringing the spirit here with you today and, uh, and sharing your story. I think it was, it was awesome to hear that. Um, and with that, I, I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.